said, you motherfuckers is crazy. I said, I got to talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. And now for our feature presentation. Yeah. Sucker free. That's why the niggas you be with talk down like they don't fuck with me. I get money realistically, and the homies show me love. Groupies wanna lead a club with me. Ain't nothing to a G. Let your hair blow in the breeze. Roll some bomb ass weed. Get high, cruise out of jet speed. Do it like I do it for TV. 675 Damier LVs. Seven something with tax. And when I'm on the plane, got the carry on the match. Nigga, that's flash shit. Tryna beat game, little homie, just watch this. <laughs> Champagne in my cockpit. Talking about you got a man, mommy, just stop it, please. As we proceed to give you what you need to roll like I'm on I'm out here living it, out here living it Niggas know that we doing our thing Cause we out here getting it, out here getting it Boy, I rap the game, 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 game Nothing change, nothing change Still rap the game, still rap the game okay. Self-made, been through what I've been through so I know what I know I write bomb rap songs telling bitches what I'm into So the hoes wanna roll First class road to another coast Just to smoke push, I know a nigga who grows And that's on the real Mama, if you tryna slide, gotta bring one for will Just another day in the life Another plane, another night Getting faded with another nigga wife Drinking hella champagne, sang a rave with the Sprite Then I'm up in the AM to catch another flight Niggas rapping the gang Simply because everything else lame The fans want real niggas, them hoes looking for change I seen it all Player in the game, first they biting the flow, now they jacking off. Slay. I'm out here living it, out here living it. Niggas know that we doing our thing, cause we out here getting it, out here getting it. Boy, I rap the game, 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 Alright, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Life As I See It, the podcast. I'm your host, Jers, a.k.a. Life As I See It, episode 148. Uh, we got the fellas in the building tonight. We got the homie Gert. We got the homie Woozy, a.k.a. Bad Lungs. We got the homie Rico Key in the building. And of course, shout out to C, the first lady of the crew. Uh, before we get started... As always, we want to make sure everybody out there listening is subscribed to the pod. Um, make sure you subscribe. Apple, Spodcast, anywhere. Uh, I said Apple, Spodcast. Apple, Spotify. <laughs> uh, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Make sure that y'all check out our visual content on Patreon at patreon.com. Backslash Life As I See It Podcast. As well as our YouTube channel. Make sure y'all hit that like and that subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, that's Life As I See It on YouTube as well. So... Uh, today we got a we got a very special episode ahead of us because we have a special gentleman in the house joining us tonight. Um, as y'all know, you know we don't always do guests, but when we do, we always make sure we got somebody special for you. And uh, this this gentleman is nothing short of special. Um, he is uh, an NBA insider. Um, he is an analyst. He's a sports. I'm gonna go out and call him a sports aficionado because I see him doing his thing. Um, and he's from Jersey, y'all. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'ma always rep for the hometown, the home, the home state. Um, so without Jersey. further, right, right, right. <laughs> so without further ado, we have none other 
then I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna call him Scoop B, right? Because Scoop B is is what he's known by. But Brandon Robinson, welcome to the show, my brother. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm doing yeah. I'm a. I don't know if you asked me. I'm doing good. It's late when we taping this. I've been taping stuff like this all day. But thank you for having me nonetheless. And I hope that y'all are doing well. Well, sir, appreciate you, brother. Of course, absolutely. Um, so you know, before we we get on into the uh, the intricacies of of sports and in that world, I do just kind of want to uh, introduce yourself to the audience and you know tell a little bit about yourself. Of course, like I mentioned, you are a Jersey native and you are an NBA insider. But there was a story before you became the guy that you are today. So give us a little bit of your background, kind of where you come from, your story, and 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 who you are and what it is that you do. Um, Brandon is what my mother named me. Um, Scoop B is what, you know, professionally uh, I've been known by for some time, but that whole uh, thing started with me. Actually, uh, I am born in New Jersey, um, split time between Harlem and Jersey. So I, I claim both equally. Um, my dad's from Jersey City, my mom's from Harlem, and um, we ran a sneaker store uh, in Harlem uh, on 125th Street, uh, men's shoe store as well called Men's Walkers. We were the only black owned uh, athletes for the New York State. And uh, it, it really started my interest in, in basketball with those sneaker releases at, at our sneaker store. And, um, you know, I will see Hakeem Olajuwon, Dominique Wilkins, Bud Webb, uh, a bunch of people uh, as a kid. And, you know, between that and, you know, my uncle running a basketball league citywide in, in Harlem as well. Uh, so anybody who came out of the city, whether it was, you know, Stephon Marbury uh, to, to Rod Strickland to, um, you know, Bernard King, uh, you know, that, that just being seen, being around that, that whole atmosphere of basketball, it, it kind of, um, you know, introduced me to that world. I, I, I never was a, a Knicks fan per se, but, um, you know, the Bulls were where, where I got my interest in, in watching basketball, 91 NBA on NBC. Uh, you know, my stepdad is from Chicago, grew up down the street from there. So he turned on the channel four and uh, I was hooked ever since. And, um, you know, those were kind of the introductory years for basketball. My formative years started at 12 years old uh, doing a radio show with the Nets when they were in New Jersey called Nets Slam and Planet. I uh, hosted it with Albert King, uh, Evan Roberts, who's on WFAN, and Chris Carino, uh, who's the voice of the Nets on WFAN, you know, executive produced the show. So, um, you know, those were formative years for me. I, when I was a kid, this was 97. Uh, I was around Chris Broussard when he was at the New York Times. I was around Stephen A. Smith when he was at the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I was around Woj when he was at the, the Bergen Record. So you know, I've been around a while, and um, you know, I was able to do that for two years and then go back to being a kid uh, and go to college and doing what I need to do and then you know, built my, my career after grad school. And you know, here I am now sitting with you guys. So um, it's been a journey, and, and I'm having fun. And that's the blessing, right? Uh, oh, well, I, I'm gonna let you go, girl. But that's the blessing, right? They always say, you know, doing what you love is something that most people would do for free and get out of bed for free. But you love it, it's passionate, and you can make a living at it. And there's nothing better than that. So first and foremost, salute to you because there's so many people who would dream of that opportunity to get up and do what it is that they love or are passionate about, but they got to go to the job that they don't really like just to, to pay the bill. So, you know, salute to you for uh, carving out that path for yourself and walking in it daily thank you i appreciate that for real for real now gert you uh you about to say something yeah um you know you was touching on your introduction to it but was there like a pivotal moment where you was like oh no this is what i want to do with it was like this is what i really want to do something happened something you saw uh meeting somebody or something like that that made you decide I've always been comfortable around celebrities. Um, I remember as a kid, 
sitting, my, my, my late uncle, uh, my late uncle Kevin, he was a big jazz uh, guy and, um, you know, in the store, it would be a lot of people who would just sit in and, k- and kick it with him. Like, you know, even, you know, our family business was run since the 60s. So like my grandfather moved from Florida to New York and he opened a shoeshine stand in a shoeshine store. And so I would hear stories as a kid, you know, my, my grandfather and Malcolm X uh, playing, playing cards together, playing dice, or, you know, just during that time. And then, you know, that, that carried over to my uncle who took over the store when he was of age and Dizzy Gillespie used to come in the store and then they would vibe together or like Paul Mooney. I remember um, Paul Mooney when he was alive, we actually met on Twitter because I tweeted some at him and, you know, as the, as the story would go, Paul Mooney and my uncle used to like have the store rolling, just, you know, talking about just cracking jokes. And, um, you know, so I, I watched him and I watched my other uncle, just that lifestyle. Um, it just felt right. So I think, you know, so by the time I was like 12, 13 years old, you know, I auditioned for that position with the Nets and, um, you know, it felt right. Like I would, I would be, you know, I, I remember it's funny. I was at the, I covered my first NBA finals this past June and uh, me and David Aldridge were waiting. Thank you. Me and David Aldridge were waiting for Uber. And I remember at 13 years old, waiting outside the locker room and um, Jamal Anderson, he was playing for the Atlanta Falcons at the time. He went to the Nets locker room and he was waiting for Keith Van Horn to give him his signed jersey because they both went to Utah. And I remember standing outside waiting to get in the locker room behind David Aldridge. And here it is 20 something years later. And we're sitting there waiting for Uber at the same time in Boston, you know, at the finals. So it's like, you know, I think it was a series of moments. It was just, you know, it felt right. It felt cool. Um, and I just walked in it, but it, it took work. It, was, it didn't just happen because I was in the building at 12. It, a lot of, lot of sacrifice, a lot of investing of time, a lot of, lot of no's, um, some yeses. Uh, I remember one time, you know, freelancing at 10 to 12 different publications at one time mm. while living in my grandmother's basement just to pay the rent. Like, you know, it, it, I'm more impressed with my story as an adult than I am with my childhood story because I persevered. Yeah, man. And um, to bring it back and then bring it forward, because you speak of that time and Harlem in particular was just so electrifying at that time. You know what I'm saying? Like for you to name all of those people and that just be common, common practice every day. Like you never know who you would see. Like that was just an electrifying time. So to be caught up in that time or come up rather in that time, you know what I'm saying? I could see how that would be impressionable on, on anybody. Um, it's, it's funny you bring that up. Cause um, you know, I went to school right outside of uh, Philly, uh, right outside of West Philly, a small school called uh, Eastern university. And I have, I have family out there and, you know, they had never been to Harlem or, you know, they didn't really go to New York like that. And I had, so you figure I was in college, like from 03 to like 08. And I had a cousin who went to college up the street, my cousin Jordan. And he used to say to me, yo, do people really wear Air Force Ones with Cheerios on them, like Cameron? <laughs> like his whole perception of like Harlem was based off of music videos. Yeah, you know, like like in Philly, I think Allen Iverson was really the celebrity that moved out and about like that. Like you would see AI walk into a Wawa to get a Dutch and then get back in his Rolls Royce. Yeah, <laughs> that, that behavior in Yonkers, you see Jada kiss like that. Yeah. You know, but he doesn't play in the NBA. That's the only difference. So I, I think at that time, like even growing up watching the Wayans brothers, you understood them because you understood their humor. You understood the show. I, I think there's a level of Harlem even now, like even when American Gangster came out, like you saw it and, and the world got to see it. 
And it was like, whoa, like I remember being in college when that was on and people were like asking me questions because <laughs> these are things I was, these are paint pictures I was painting while I was in school and they saw it in real time or they had questions, you know? So it's, it's, it, it definitely like the Apollo was in Harlem, but at the same time, Harlem itself was a, was a, was a, was, was its own stage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For entertainment, for, you know, street activity for black renaissance for, you know, all of those different things. And like I said, just electrifying, you know, that energy and and even still today, I mean, of course, it's a lot more gentrified and it's, it's certainly not the same uh, today, but, you know, still very special. And it is a privilege to kind of be from the area and to know because, you know, me being from Jersey and not really realizing how much of a privilege I had just being exposed to, you know, being from the area and then going away to college in Virginia. And then some of those similar, not, not so much, uh, you were a few years, few years older than me. So we kind of, you know, about in the same era, but you know, social media started to emerge and then people, the world got smaller. So more people had access to it, but those early years, definitely, you know, I, I can understand exactly, exactly what you're talking about. Yes, sir. So, um, Okay, so now we're 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 moving, we're shaking, we're in it, we're we're around sports, we're around the sport that you love in 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 being basketball. Uh again, before we go all the way into basketball, I understand that you're a wrestling fan. A little bit. 90,000 <laughs> you know. Okay. Yes. I don't, <laughs> I don't watch it as much as I don't watch it as much as I did as a child, but growing up, um Razor Ramon, um as well as Shawn Michaels, Bret yeah. the Hitman Hart, um, and even The Rock, even even um, Mark Henry, so and, and certain guys that I, I call friends to this day, um, I, I definitely I appreciate that that era of basketball, or excuse me, that era of wrestling for real. Yeah, yeah, same. I you know now is it's a total a total different thing. So respectfully, <laughs> um, but yeah. So so speaking of basketball, right? So today. Bally Sports, right? Bally Sports. Uh, talk to us about your uh, relationship with Bally Sports um, and kind of how that came about, right? You talked about your journey, persevering through all of those no's. I'm sure it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to apply to be, <laughs> you know, on a, a part of the company and then you just got it. So talk to us about uh, that journey and, and actually landing with Bally Sports. Um, so at a grad school, uh, I was living in my grandmother's basement for like five years after grad school uh, was I tell this story all the time. Um, I, I lived in the basement apartment, had a bathroom, kitchen, but I had no stove. I kicked, I cooked on a hot plate, uh, George Sherman grill, microwave, crock pot, had a double door fridge. The fridge side didn't work. The freezer side only refrigerated stuff. Um, and I would often be, you know, adjunct professoring at a couple different colleges um, while still having an EBT card in my back pocket, working at uh, on red carpets, just getting the videos and the, and the articles I needed to go from point A to point B. Um, and at the time I was working at, well, was volunteering at The Source. They didn't have any budget to pay me. So I was at The Source magazine for a few years and just got my clips up. And between there, at some points, I was freelancing at 10 to 12 different publications, but I always had relationships um, dating back to childhood to now. So, you know, 2013, um, you know, I was freelancing at uh, the East Orange and the, and the West Orange Chronicle, West Orange Chronicle and the East Orange, New Jersey record. I was chronicling Jabril Peppers, who's now on the Giants back when he was in high school. 
I was chronicling Kyrie Irving uh, when he was at um, when he was at the Cleveland Cavaliers pre-LeBron coming back um, and just built relationships there um, and just let clips grow. You know, I ended up writing some one-offs for Max Preps, which is a CBS affiliate. And I was doing this thing where I was booking guests for, for shows at CBS. And what ended up happening was I just kept building and building and building. Um, and then I landed at CBS radio for about a year. And I did this podcast for a year that was getting picked up by like TMZ, uh, complex every other day. And that's where I kind of learned the digital landscape of asking the right questions and things go viral all the time. I mean, we were, we were sharing studio space with, um, Elliot Wilson and BDOT when they were at, um, when they were at, uh, when they had the, uh, did the rat radar podcast. So I would, they would be coming out sometimes I see Ja Rule and other people coming in and out. This is um, that, this is that, uh, CBS. This was at CBS. This was from like 2015 to 2016. Uh, left there, uh, took a, a gig as a managing editor at Respect Magazine, which is a hip hop magazine. And what ended up happening was I left Respect Magazine. I remember it was like February of 2018. And I ended up just, I talked to a lot of athletes and they tell me things. And I had heard from somebody that this was like April, May of 2015, that LeBron was going to the Los Angeles Lakers and that he was going to be uh, announcing his decision using a Space Jam trailer on IGTV. And I announced it and I found out later that I messed up the whole rollout, but that LeBron was still going to the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> I started getting a whole bunch of information, just a, a lot of intel just about the Lakers. Um, LeBron ended up going to the Lakers um, the following summer. Uh, Kyrie Irving, I knew, of course, you know, I've been covering him since 2013, uh, was joining the Brooklyn Nets and he was bringing Kevin Durant with him. And by that time, 2018, the summer of 2018, I was looking for my next spot. I was also, you know, me and my business partner were producing Scoop B Radio, which garners now at this point 10 to 15 million streams annually um, with guests of all over the place. My own platform, we started it, you know, out of a, out of a shoebox. I was sitting collecting dust in my parents' base, my parents' um in my closet at my parents' house, in my room at my parents' house. And what happened was we digitized old tapes, had in old interviews with the Kimbe Mutombo, Kendall Gill, Jason Williams, BJ Armstrong, Scott Burrell. And we just built Scoopy Radio as far back as 2016 and really took that head on. But at the same time, um, I reached out to heavy.com and uh, decent platform. They hired me to create original content. And just, I grew with, with heavy.com from 2018 uh, till about 2020. Um, and I left at the right time because, um, it was time for me to, to kind of spread my wings. Uh, I moved into a new place at the time and, um, I kind of, uh, I put out on social media that I left at heavy.com and didn't work out there, but the very next day I got a call uh, from a friend of mine at Valley Sports Network. And he said, would you like to be like our woes or our shams at Valley? And I don't know if you know this, Valley's owned by Sinclair. Uh, they also own Stadium. Stadium is one of the networks that Sham Sharania is on. So our, our checks are signed by the same company. Um, and basically, uh, they hired me to be their digital NBA insider. I accepted the role uh, last spring. And, you know, I've, I've been there for some time and been able to have some fun, but also do some solid work. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. And um, I think really what you've been speaking to uh, this whole interview is just the power of relationships. The power of having relationships, being able to capitalize on those relationships, um, not exploit them, you know, be honest, move with integrity, 
Uh, because when you look at someone like a Stephen A. Smith, who's probably one of the biggest, um, you know, insiders or, or analysts that people know, he 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 is very brash in delivery, but he does pride himself on getting the scoop, no pun intended, um, and having those relationships and, and, and breaking news, right? So um, how how tumultuous can it get when everybody's fighting to get the story and to be first? Like how difficult can that rat race sort of be? I mean, we're taping today. What's today's date? Uh, August 11th. Um, I use an example that that happened today. Um, I don't know if you guys were paying attention about the whole thing with um, Kyrie Irving, supposedly when he negotiated his contract uh, for 60, he only wanted to play 60 games next season. And the Nets said, no, did you guys see that? I, I didn't. Um, the person who reported it, he's a colleague of mine. I don't have a problem with him. Um, I got a call from somebody today, mad. And I said, do you want the guy's number? No, I want you to relay a message. And I called that person, told them what was going on. And then, you know, I called the other, you know, the other party back. And, you know, this is what he said. And, you know, it, it's like it, the, I don't know whether it was said from, from my, from my vantage point. And if you know my work, you know where I got it from. Um, they said they didn't say it. He said it was said. It wasn't my report, so I'm not really worried about it. But um, I, I guess sometimes you got to worry about, and not in this instance, just in general, it's not always about being first. It's about being accurate. I've been on both sides of it. So to say I'm perfect, nah. Um, I am a student of my craft. Um, we make mistakes. We get things right. But if you get them wrong, you try to correct it if you can. Were, were. Now, let me ask you this, switching gears just a bit, because when we get into some of those barbershop talk uh, debates about, you know, who's great, who's not, um, who's the GOAT, all of those different types of conversations, one of the ones that always gets brought up is LeBron, Jordan comparisons. Uh, you're you're going to get that any basketball conversation you have. It's just the inevitable, right? Uh, we've spoken often about just LeBron's ability to to be great and the and where he took the NBA, um, who he is and what he means to the game of basketball, so on and so forth. And we know the legacy that that is Michael Jordan. Now, I know on this podcast, um, Gert takes a different position or has taken a different position in terms of speaking to Michael Jordan's greatness, right? So, Gert, in terms of his greatness, why you believe he was great and why you believe people place him where he is, kind of speak a little bit to, to that perspective. So <clears throat> I don't want to get anything confused with, you know, as the conversation goes on, but I do think Mike is one of the greatest all time, right? Um, his dominance and what he did in his era, amazing. But I don't compare Mike to who he played against. I compare Mike to all of the other greats who dominated their time frame, And to me, so it, it started out as just questioning it, right? I'm a person who you just can't tell me anything and I'm going to run with what you tell me. I have to see something tangible on paper for it to make sense to me. 
And when I started looking in the mic, his name is not on the top of none of the records, right? So when you look at the most points in the game, he's far down that list. When you look at rings, he's far down that list. All of these stats that they hold in the NBA, he is not at the top of any of those lists, but yet everyone considers him the GOAT. The GOAT, to me, is greatest of all time. Can only be one greatest, right? So I say when you break basketball up into any of these statistical categories that they hold, if he is not number one, how do people put him at the top? And that got the wheels turning to for me. And I started looking into it and it, looking into it and asking people questions. Right. So I'll let you respond to that and then I'll push further to where I think that why I think it is that he is considered the GOAT. I think LeBron James is this generation's GOAT. And I think 20 years from now, people are going to look at LeBron in the same way that people looked at Michael and somebody new along is going to come and people are going to debate the same way. Michael is my generation's GOAT. Um, I think from, from my parents' generation, Julius Irving was that for people when they were coming up. But I also think that I don't really think Michael and LeBron were ever comparable um, because Mike, because LeBron plays more like Magic and Oscar Robertson than he plays like Michael anyway. I feel like Kobe was more in that discussion anyway. But Kobe's also not here to defend himself. And God rest his soul, the fact that Kobe's no longer here, the margin gets smaller and smaller where people are going to put those two together uh, and compare. Um, but I definitely think LeBron, uh, for the record books, has been there. I was there when he when he when he I was in Washington when he beat um, uh, Magic when he tied in and when he um, surpassed uh, Magic Johnson or rather Karl Malone's uh, scoring record. Um, but I, I, I take something that Kyle Kuzma said to me. I was with the Lakers the day before Kobe Bryant passed mm. in Philadelphia when LeBron broke uh, Kobe's scoring record. And I remember being in a locker room uh, with the Lakers and being, you know, KCP's locker was right next to LeBron's. And then across the way, you saw uh, 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 Danny Green and you saw uh, um, you saw just everybody's locker. You know, you one way Rondo was here. And I remember pulling Kyle Kuzma to the side and, I, and it's crazy looking back on it. Uh, but I said, you know, you, you've you've been around Magic because of his at the time, his role with the Lakers in the front office position. You know, you, you have the luxury of being around Kobe um, you, you, because you're in L.A. Um, you, you played with uh, LeBron. The only connection you don't have is with Michael. But I'm sure you know Michael's greatness. And, you know, where do you put them in that dialogue? And, you know, his response was, I just like to enjoy them for the individual players that they are. Why can't we just enjoy them um, and just enjoy what you see um, and, and keep it moving? And then the next day, Kobe passed. And it's funny because I ran into Kuz like two weeks later. Uh, Mitchell and Ness had this gifting suite uh, during All-Star Weekend in, in, in Chicago in 2020. Yo, they gave away all these different jerseys and stuff. Like, mm. like I think I was All-Star Weekend. 2020, yeah. I think I was there for that. Yeah? I think I was there for that. I, uh, I'm almost sure it was 2020. We in 2022 now. Yeah, Chicago also a week, and I was there for sure. And they did a panel with BJ Armstrong and Tim Hardaway at Mitchell, this Michelin S uh get this week. Um, and and I ran into Cools and I was like, 
yo, remember that stuff you, you said? You know, he was like, yo, that shit is crazy, right? When you sit back and you think about it. And it's so true. Like, I think I'm a little different. You know, I'm in journalism and, and I am a journalist. And I think a lot of times people want, think that going to school and getting a degree is going to put you on first take and, and you're just going to debate. Like you got to put in, you got to, you got to put in the work as a writer for many years, as a TV personality for many years. And um, I think, I think Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless have made a good living um, by debating and by getting people to argue. Um, and I think in doing so, you know, I had a conversation with somebody the other day, somebody was trying to tell me how Tim Duncan is better than LeBron and how th this person sucks. It's like, bro, how many, <laughs> how many rings you won? Yeah. <laughs> like, who gave you the license to talk about somebody and you ain't been in their shoes? So it's like, I I'm a little careful. Fundamental. Huh? He said, Mr. Fundamental is better yeah. than <laughs> I think Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith have um, given they made, they made the field a little jaded. Well, you know, I, you know, Wait, let me let me say this. They okay. give the license. So everybody tries to 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 talk about or downplay somebody's success. I don't agree, but I but I understand that that is something that 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 people do and 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 people make a living off of it so I, I Michael is my goal LeBron I enjoy his game uh we're the same age I've enjoyed his game since he was in high school but I still don't think there's really a comparison because I think they play two different games got you my um my only thing I, I'd like to add to that too is um like I I agree with what you're saying 100 percent right um but the marketing dollars, like, cause I look at stats, everybody says you can't count stats, right? But I just think at the time Mike caught the NBA, you had Nike, Gatorade, and the NBA all pumping marketing dollars into and Wheaties. Wheaties too, yeah, Wheaties. You have all of these different brands who pumped so much now, with respect to him, every time the the cameras was on, he put on the show. He he one hundred percent fulfilled what he was supposed to do. Ed, there was no games off. There was no anything. He fulfilled his end of that deal. But I I I, I personally believe the competition he went against. Right, he was a boy. I mean, he was a man playing against boys per se at that time where basketball wasn't like it is today, where you got kids from probably eight years old doing real NBA workouts today. He was the first, I think, to really embody that mindset that no, this is what I'm going to do full time and nobody's going to be able to compare or defeat me. And that's what he did, you know, where it took four years of college to go to the NBA. You know, college game is different than the NBA game by a long shot. But, you know, just what he did, I think, was awesome. But evolution, things get better with time. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that on that, you know, I mean, because, again, we can look at this from a thousand different angles and pick apart, <laughs> you know, each little each little nuance but um 
I think everything that or all of the points that the both of you made are are valid. And um, I think it's safe to pretty much leave it there. Um, now, I do want to get your take on the uh, LeBron, not LeBron, uh, on Kevin Durant, uh, because, you know, we have yet to find a landing spot for KD. Uh, I'm hearing some rumors about him maybe not even leaving at all anymore. Um, and maybe that he was he was reported to say he wanted some sort of coaching change and maybe he would stay or I, I'm not sure. So just the, all of the, the, the energy surrounding Kevin Durant, uh, do you think he stays in Brooklyn? And if he doesn't stay in Brooklyn, where do you think, you know, he may actually end up? The answer to where he actually ends up is I don't know. Um, and I think it, there's a storyline that changes every other day, um, specifically, uh, ever since he asked out uh, at the end of June, at the end of June, um, what I do know is that there have been a plethora of teams that the Nets uh, have had conversations with uh, the, the Toronto Raptors, who don't want to part ways with Scotty Barnes, um, the, the Pelicans, who you know I've told you know the Brandon Ingram is not someone that that, that they want to just give up a package that would include Ingram, Nance, and picks, and the Pelicans, you know, are, are the are the most unique and perfectly fit team to trade pieces with Brooklyn because of uh, the multiple uh, first round picks that they had uh, from various trades with the Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, it's, as far as the Phoenix Suns go, the Suns aren't willing to part ways with uh, Devin Booker uh, and, you know, Cam Johnson and uh, Malik uh, are more, um, suitable or in their eyes um, than uh, giving up Booker. Um, and then, you know, the 76ers have been a dialogue. Um, and, you know, recently it was reported that uh, the Sixers, uh, or rather Kevin Durant has a list of the Sixers uh, and the Celtics as, as teams that he'd like to go to. And, you know, folks that I've spoken with on the 76ers side have, have shared with me that, you know, there is mutual interest and in that they did pick up the phone and call the Brooklyn Nets uh, when they heard the news about that situation. And, you know, it, it would likely be a, 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 a packaged uh, deal that would include a Tobias Harris, a Tyrese Maxey uh, and Matisse Thibel, um to Brooklyn. Um, I know that ultimately uh, when you talk about coaches and, and general managers, uh, what was underreported throughout the course of the season, I'm told, uh, is that um, the the way that the players weren't necessarily seeing eye to Steve Nash uh, with Steve Nash, excuse me, was apparent. Uh, and I know that in this situation, a lot has been said about uh, Kyrie Irving's relationship with James Harden. And in fact, some of that blame and some of that lack of relationship stems from not just that, but also uh, Steve Nash and uh, James Harden not getting along. And so now you're starting to see some of that stuff where it's headed in certain ways based off of what some of my other colleagues are reporting. Um, but I've seen it in real time. Um, the, the Sean Marks part of it from some folks that I've spoken with, they feel like you can't run uh, a Nets uh, organization like you may a San Antonio organization where he's come from. Um, and that ultimately uh, people are going to make a lot more noise, whether it's the fan base, whether it's the players and more. Um, and also there are some other issues as it relates to uh, Adam Harrington, who uh, is a former Nets 
assistant coach uh, who uh, Kevin Durant did bring in, uh, who he trains within the offseason. And, you know, some of the other representation uh, of, of, of us uh, that may be lacking. Yeah, you do have Jacques Vaughn, who was their lead assistant, who was African-American. You do have Royal Ivy, uh, who is uh, Kevin Durant's best friend. And uh, KD is the, the godfather to Royal Ivy's uh, daughter. Uh, but at the same time, some other people have stepped down. Amari Stoudemire stepped down. David Vanterpool is no longer an assistant with the Nets. And it seems like there's something in the water there. Um, and uh, it seems that people can't get along, aren't getting along, won't get along. Uh, but the Nets ultimately do not have to trade Kevin Durant just because he wants to be traded. And if they choose to trade him, they don't necessarily have to trade him to the destinations that he seeks. So um, Hold on, that, is there okay. any chance of the Lakers? Or um, Kevin Durant? Yeah. You, you trade LeBron James with it? No, Anthony Davis for uh, Durant. Uh, Anthony Davis Westbrook for Kyrie and Durant. You said Anthony Davis and Westbrook? Yeah, for Kyrie mm -hmm. and Durant. No shot at that? So the Nets and the Lakers did have a conversation uh, back in July um, and June late June uh, about Kyrie Irving uh, and ultimately it wasn't fruitful. Uh, the Lakers were looking to move Russell Westbrook uh, and I'm told picks and the Nets in turn wanted Russell Westbrook as well as Anthony Davis and picks and Rob Palenka uh, told uh, Sean Marks no from what I'm told. Um, but the Kevin Durant portion of it I think is more of the same. The Lakers aren't looking to part ways with Anthony Davis. Okay. And I was going to just add to that and saying, would it, would it be safe to say, because you said, of course, the Nets don't have to trade uh, Kevin Durant just because he requested, right? But would it be in their best interest, in fact, to trade him as opposed to him now staying and remaining there, but being unhappy? What's your, what's your take on that perspective? It depends on who you ask. Um, I think that, you know, I know people who have shared with me uh, that, you know, they've reached out to Kevin and that um, it's more of a thing of if you express to a, to your employer that you don't like it and you don't want to work here, your employer is going to make it difficult for you. And maybe that wasn't the best way to go about it. Uh, and maybe there was a finesse that you can go about it rather than just directly saying what you felt. Those are some of the thoughts that people that I know have shared. Um, but I think that in this situation, uh, with player empowerment in the NBA and more uh, front office people make decisions every day and nobody gets mad at the people in the front office when they decide to waive a player, cut a player, trade a player. Um, but when a player realizes the power that they have, um, many people get upset. And I know that many people peg LeBron as the, the catalyst for the decision in 2010, but really and truly this was something that took place in sports way before uh, LeBron, if you look at baseball with Kurt Flood and his decision in free agency, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, this was something that took place many years ago. And um, I think that ultimately for Kevin Durant and the Nets, my hope uh, is that they uh, sit down before training camp and figure this out. I don't see Kevin Durant personally sitting out um, prior to training camp, um, just because I think he's gonna fulfill his commitment and he ain't trying to lose no money. Um, but I, but I do think this is something that has to be resolved in the next couple of weeks. Okay. And then last, last uh, question on, on KD. 
Um, do you feel that, you know, let's say he does get traded, do you feel wherever he goes that those teams essentially have to gut their whole team for a player like the likes of Kevin Durant? It depends on the team. Like, because do you think, because I, I, me personally, I can't really see straight up trades like KD for him. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't see that, right? So, of course, there would be some sort of package deal. Um, to me, it seems, and you know, you maybe have more insight on it, but to me, it seems like anywhere that he goes, said team is going to have to essentially gut their roster just to make up for the caliber of player that is Kevin Durant. Again, it depends. But when you're Kevin Durant, you're naturally going to magnetize people to you. Um, when LeBron came back to Cleveland the second time, everybody wanted to come to Cleveland the first time. Nobody wanted to be there. Um, and I feel like uh, he made Cleveland cool. Just like Drake made Toronto cool, calling it the six. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think anywhere that Kevin Durant goes, um, you're going to, people are going to follow. I mean, you, you look at, you look at like last season, um, Andre Drummond ultimately was traded to the Nets uh, in the Ben Simmons deal. But prior to that, the season before when Andre Drummond was looking at different teams, I think he was considering and then ultimately deciding to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. KD called uh, Drummond and was like, yo, I need you to come to Brooklyn. And he didn't do it that year, but he ended up finding his way via trade. Brooklyn was the team he was considering. Um, I think when you look at even Blake Griffin coming to Brooklyn, uh, and and you look at, um, you know, you you look at um, just just people that that have decided to to sign shorter term deals to find their way there. Kevin Durant is a magnet. Um, if he say hypothetically, he was to get traded to. The Sixers, um, there's enough relationship within the Sixers organization that if they had to trade some pieces, there would be some role players they would add. Um, I'll add this, you know, on the Sixers front. Um, I know that when the Nets and the Sixers were having conversations on moves, I know that Tyrese Maxey was someone that the Nets coveted at the time. Um, and the Sixers told, gave him a, a, an adamant hell no. Um, and I think that, you know, that may still be the case. I know that Tobias Harris has been someone that I know that the, I know that the Sixers and the Sacramento Kings um, had a conversation in January and they were deciding between the Sixers were deciding between outright trading to get James Harden or they were deciding on whether or not they wanted to execute on a trade uh, with um, the Sacramento Kings uh, in which uh, they would have gotten uh, Tyrese Halliburton uh, as well as other pieces, and they all ultimately said no, and they decided that they were going to go in a direction and go after James Harden. And I was hearing this conversation in January that the Sixers feared that if they did go after James Harden in any type of trade, um, that the NBA uh, would be investigating collusion. I heard that in January, and now you're seeing that in real time yeah. uh, this summer. And so um, I, I think that when you look at this situation with uh, the 76ers, it's going to be interesting with Kevin Durant. People are going to be like, well, him and James Harden are cool. That doesn't really count as or constitute as collusion because, you know, they're, they're friends, they're, they're teammates twice and more. But I think ultimately to answer your question directly, um, there would have to be some movement, moving pieces in order to bring certain role players in. 
you can't see. Um, I think that's ultimately why uh, Carmelo Anthony hasn't signed with a team yet, because he's looking to see whether he's going to return to the Lakers, whether he's going to come to Brooklyn, whether he's going to go to the Warriors. Like he has options. So yeah. I think there is a there is a there is a culminating effect contingent upon where Kevin Durant uh, joins uh, via trade if he goes somewhere via trade. Got you. Uh, now, I want to switch gears a little bit. You being a journalist uh, from a traditional standpoint, of course, you studied in school. Um, as you already you know, outlined, you put the work in, works your way up through the ranks, so on and so forth. You now have examples of what at least Draymond Green is coining the phrase of like new media, right? So he is an active player in the NBA, but he's also doing his podcast live. And there are a lot of people uh, in the traditional space of journalism that seem to give a lot of pushback. Um, you as a journalist yourself and just being, you know, of, of the game and of the culture, how do you feel when you see athletes like say a Draymond Green and just the whole sentiment of new media and the way that things are changing. How do you feel uh, with the, the ushering in of a new way of covering the sport? Um, well, first of all, Draymond went to Michigan State School of Communication. So I think people look at him as just an athlete and, you know, he went to school, but he's also creative. Um, I, you know, I, I spent some time with Dre during the finals off and on. Uh, and we talked about, the new media specifically. Um, and what I came away with was new media means more than just players doing media. Like Draymond doing media as an active player really isn't new. Um, you saw Jalen Rose do that with Mad Sports on BET. And then years later, he's at ESPN. It's funny, I, I was on the phone with uh, Kendrick Perkins about a month ago. And, you know, they both work at ESPN. And I said to Perk, I said, yo, did you know that Jalen Rose your colleague used to be like doing stuff if like for, he would be like a correspondent for Fox sports for or our best damn sports show period. Did you know he was doing mad sports? Like that would come on right before or come on after teen summit on BET. I was like, get the uh, out of here for real. Like <laughs> I was like, yeah. Like, so when you look at it must be something in the water in Michigan. Cause they're both from Michigan, Draymond and Jalen. Um, but Draymond doing it, he's just doing it in a digital space. Uh, and so when Draymond and I talked about the whole new media thing, uh, the, one of the things that he said was new media is really kind of calling out the old guard for saying things for sensational value rather than for uh, journalistic purpose. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think guys like him, guys like, um, CJ McCollum, guys like uh, JJ Reddick, they all are current, former transitioning into retired, into media space. Um, I mean, when you saw Charles Barkley on, on when he was a player, you kind of knew he was made for TV. Like I remember him doing a press conference when when um during Dream Team, and somebody asked him about Angola. He said, I don't know much about Angola, but I know Angola's in trouble. He's <laughs> always been, you know, media savvy in that regard. Um, but I, no, I mean, I, I think the new media to some people it means certain things. I don't hate on those brothers. I, I'm, I'm glad to see, I'm glad to see people elevate. But I also do know um, that in this media space, you got to be talented to get on. 
and I and I and that's taking some jobs away from people who went to school for that. I, I'm not I'm cognizant of that also. Um, I, I mean, personally, I've been the type of person who was able to get along with the retired players as well as the new players. It's, it's all about blending in. I think, um, and this is just my wild theory, but I think at the end of LeBron's era, it will usher in all new media personalities due to the younger players and who has the relationships with the younger players, kind of how Stephen A was for Iverson and that pushed him. I don't want to say that's the only reason, but you know, you have the- It gave him that credibility or that extra added credibility. But I look at the TNT, you know, um, Shaq, uh, Barkley and Kenny, amazing. But the relationships with the younger players, I don't know how much, you know, how their relationships fare uh, with the Ja Morant, Luca is there. I would take the JJ Reddicks and, you know, those guys to be closer to those relationships. Uh, can you speak on that a little bit? What you think, your opinion? I think you're right. Um, I have a stylist and he told me when he dropped some clothes off some years ago, he said, yo, stop focusing on the Grant Hills and the Jalen Roses so much and focus on the Ben Simmonses, the John Morans, the Luka Doncic and more because those guys are in, you're trying to get in. Um, and the young people, the young people are undefeated. So, you know, focus on those guys and build up. You know those older guys already. And it's funny because um, when I was at the finals, I had on these white shorts and a pair of Balenciaga shoes. And I was walking on the court after the game and Grant Hill's like, hey, yo, where you get those from? You know, I'm old school, but da 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 laughed about it. But then like, you know, you walk past the Warriors locker room, Damian Lee walked past. Where you get them shoes from? We took a picture together. It's on my Instagram. But like, you, 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 you have to build with young people because those people end up becoming older people. That's that's why Jamal Crawford is so respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of shoes, and you you got a long history with shoes. Yeah. And like, do you think this two part question? But some of my favorite sneakers is the Grand Hills. That's crazy. Grand Hills, the Pennies, and AIs, them, 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 them answers is fire to me. Undisputed. The but second the Jordan, one, right? Huh? The ones that came out like 98, 99. Right, right, right. Well, those, yeah, those the answer because the question was first, right? So it's yeah. question and answer, yeah. So, but um, the Jordan 11s, some would say is undisputed, like the crown of all creme de la creme, whatever, however you want to label that shoe. Yeah. It's, it's right. Do you ever think that shoe would be dethroned by another athlete or another entity? I know Yeezy's doing his thing, but that's not necessarily basketball. Yeezy's not a basketball shoe, but Yeezy has its place to me. Uh, <laughs> Yeezy's for skateboarders is what Timberland Constructs was for us. Um, so, I, not to cut you, but um, I've I've came to another. You know, I question a, a, revel a, a revelation. Yeah, <laughs> but, an epiphany. Um, just, 
you know, Yeezy to me today is what Nike was in the 90s. So where Nike had Michael Jordan, Adidas having Kanye, it looks like the tide is changing to where now Adidas is the new status symbol shoe as Nike was. Uh, you think it's possible for Adidas to dethrone Nike? And I would love for you to answer this because me and him got into a debate, you know, a couple of weeks ago about this. It's, has Nike, I mean, has Adidas overtaken Nike's place? Please, sir. Nope. Nope. Um, I've done work with both as a brand ambassador. Um, so I, I've, I've seen the inner workings of both. Um, number one, Adidas is number one globally. It's number one everywhere except the U.S. Um, number two, I think Nike is by far considered a superior shoe monetarily because of Jordans and because of retros. But to be honest with you, I, I would say it to their face, um, the new Jordans are not are not cool. Nobody, it stopped at about 17, right? No, that's why I said the Jordan 11s. The Jordan 11s is... It, I mean, but I like the 12s, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I like the, the Mike Tyson shoes, goddamn. I think Jordan 11s, in the grand scheme of things, for, like, our children and our children's children is going to be how our parents looked at Chuck Taylor. Mm. Yeah. Converse weapon. I think, yeah. but I, but, but I think. But yeah, them Yeezys. I, I think man. I think Adidas for basketball. Eh, nah, yeah. I think I think yeah. Adidas for for leisure shoe, for classics, and for Yeezys has its place. I don't remember the last time I heard somebody say, "Yo, I'm going to the store to get a pair of Derrick Roses." But I remember how much how people were hyped to to cop a pair of T Max, right, right. And I think that the retro market is just is in even even outside of Jordan retros, like the Pippin retros with the big air on the back, all those Air Max on Tempo today. Like even I saw I've seen Odell Beckham wear a, a cleat version of that. Pippin retro shoe, like everything is retro. Just like I think '90s music and 2000s music is so, it was so ingenious. They're retroing our stuff or recycling it. Like, right. I, I think it has its place. I think for America, it's still a tough sell, but globally, I think, I think Adidas has its place because Adidas has soccer. It's not just, it's not just, a, it's not just Yeezys. Um, but I, I, I kind of think, I, I feel like. Puma is trying to encroach on that market. I think once Puma signs a marquee guy, marquee guy, I feel like Puma has definitely picked up the slack of where N1 left off. And I also think that Yeezy was everything that we thought Jay-Z's S. Carter was supposed to be. They have a tough... Yeah, P- Puma... trying. See, I, I think Puma. I, I think Puma. So Puma definitely did step their game up for for sure. Um, so, so what you think about the G units? 
I don't. I don't think about them. <laughs> what the album? I know you're talking about the speakers. You talking about the white speakers? You might want to stay on mute, You might want to stay on mute. Put the mute button. The shit is all the way to the left. That button right there. Slide to the left. Stop. Think about it. <laughs> but I, uh, I do. I think once uh, Yeezy starts to retro, because they they're still creating new content, and then once they and then they can color wave their retros and all of that, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard day for Nike once they start doing that, because they're gonna be doing the same thing Mike did. Mm-hmm. And the kids, the kids of today. I think is who Kanye is targeting, right? So absolutely love the old basketball sneaker, you know, the pennies, the pippins, all of that. But the kids today, they don't really know what those shoes are. So they they it's the parent putting those on their kids that knows what it is, but the kid wants the easy. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that's making those sneakers still relevant is the fact that like you have to get them by a certain time or else. The people who sell sneakers now yeah. have them, and the markup is crazy. So, X. yeah. So, so that's what's keeping the Jordan Elevens and all those. Because Jordan, to me, kind of like they going backwards. They keep making newer Jordans, Jordan brands, and you know we're not rocking with those. We rock to a certain number, and that's it. After that, when you start mixing spizikes and all this, like we're not doing that, so. I think I, like, I mean, even to the point where you you get the the the, the off white look with the twos. I I never really was a Jordan two guy, but at the same time, I feel like um now some of the Russell Westbrook's the the look I like the colors are a bit too much for me. I don't know. I don't know if I could rock with the I, rush. I feel like the Jordan ones keeping Nike alive. The Jordan ones are always going to be classic. They're never They're not, not going to be classic. And I got two pair. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely. Extremely. Always like they haven't gotten better. That's, that's a, the that's a skateboard wave, though. That's a every now and then shoe for comfort. I'm not wearing it. That's a that's a style for a photo and putting my Crocs on after. That's a fact. <laughs> that's a super fact. Um, but and then I just to double back with Puma, I was gonna say that they. I feel like they're kind of targeting that classic. Um. It's like a classic look, right? So I think it's more of an older demographic, a more seasoned demographic. You see Hove with, you know, with his Puma stuff on. And, you know, when Nip did his collaboration with Puma, and, you know, on the West Coast State, they wear the uh, the Cortez Nike. So, you know, that that slim look, I think it's more of a classic thing. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be infused in culture with the youth so much um, as like Adidas and, and some of the other brands we already mentioned. Right. Yeah, it's tough because Puma. So Puma how, is how, how, you, how you feel? How you feel about the New Balances? Because New Balance is holding their weight right now too. Yeah, I, part of it is I think Rich Paul and his influence and in getting his clients to sign with them, and also Kawhi was really the strange fruit who did it from the beginning. Um, you look at you look at Kawhi. And oh, that's your that's I, it's I'm looking, but the but the but the background it looked like you got you got uh John Toussaint du Sable in the back, and then he's blacking your 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 okay, oh, yeah. I see what you I see what you're working with. <laughs> um, 
my, my brother Zach Levine, I he he signed that deal with 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 uh, New Balance, and I think that's I think didn't Dejounte Murray sign with New Balance also? I'm not sure. I'm not I sure. know Kawhi. That's the only one I know. Kawhi, yeah. To your point, I think Kawhi is the one who kind of ushered in yeah. that that new regime of New Rico Balance. Music. Do you remember when Scottie Pippen wore New Balances? I do not. On the court, he wore New Balance before he wore mm-hmm. Nike. James Worthy mm, wore that. New Balance too. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't not gonna lie, New, new Balance is kicking up. It's New Balance out there for three hundred dollars now. Like, what, what and that's what I was I gonna hate. say about Puma. <laughs> Puma is huh? too affordable, and the kids don't like affordable. They like a certain price point. That's what's gonna make it hot. But here's the thing. Nike Monarch sneakers are to Obama what New Balances are to the Reagans of the world. Hmm. Those are those are dad sneakers as well. Hmm. New Balance was never losing money. Right. Because New Balance was sponsoring, if I'm not mistaken, New Balance was sponsoring Harvard's tennis team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I New like Balance, yo. I, I feel like us as consumers of hip hop and culture, as much as we like the Euro look, I feel like when we bought Lacoste polos back in 2006, <laughs> we was late. We Like I saw that in the 80s and the 90s, but it's cool. I feel like sometimes we late to stuff, but at the same time, the same with New Balance. I feel like New Balance kind of comes in and comes out. I remember, I remember when Cass was wearing Mountain Gish uh, boots, mm-hmm. uh, like 97, 98. We, we tried to bring New Balance back, too. I had those. With jeans. Yeah, Jersey. Girl, Jersey was wild. They was wearing that. Parasuco jeans and Anichi, Anichi velvet um sweaters. Remember the Maurice Malone jeans? Yeah, Maurice Malone. Boss and Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah. Scandalous. Yeah, Jabot jeans, yeah. Jabot with the pants. Philly was big on Jabot. I was was out there in 05, 06. That's all they was wearing. They was wearing the Capri Capri shorts. Nah, the Capris was out of control. Philly was out of control with the Capris. (laughs) Yo, the the Jabot with the Reebok. (laughs) Yeah. They was definitely out of out of control with that. And then even going back to New Balance, uh, me going to school in Virginia, it was a DC thing. That's when I first was introduced to it. DC was heavy on New Balance, and still today. And, and Nike boots, Nike boots <laughs> to the yeah. max. Hey, I, I I say we started the Nike boot. Uh oh, I give y'all ACGs all day. We, nah, yeah. Kiss Kiss mentioned Nike boots first. Who did? Jada Kiss. Thug it out. Jada Jada then had them colorful ACGs on. Well, we wasn't wearing, we were wearing Vasquez. Vasquez was, I know, in North. North, Bobby's with all Bobby's. We got those from is Timberland came with the field boots, the two tone after Vasquez. And yeah, Vasquez. Broccoli's was the answer to the was the Vasquez the the, the answer to the beef and broccoli's or were the beef and broccoli's the answer to the Vasquez? Vas- the, the, the beef and broccoli's came first. Well, nah, Vasquez, Vasquez all day. That's what first. You, you, they had the leather to go with the the boot. But right? so, but what we saying is the beef and the beef and broccoli's came first, right? The beef and broccoli's came first. The beef and broccoli's were Timberland's second attempt at it. They had another Timberland had. 
they redid the Vasquez first. It was one hundred percent. I I get it and I'll send it. The field boot was the second time they came around and did it. They went. They copied Vasquez completely the first time, and then uh, Timberland were low cut, and then they went to the field boot second. But that's that, a, that's a that's a nasty boot, though. The low-cut Tim's. I was about to say, that's nasty. <laughs> yo, that's the na- the butt naked. Like. <laughs> you look at the black chunkers, they, they was low-top. The black chunkers was low-top. Yeah, the gorge. Remember, the Gore-Tex was in there, too. They had the low-top A-Rex boots. That was crazy. Because I had a pair, and they roast me up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you wildin'. Y'all remember, y'all remember when the Patrick Ewan sneakers, when he had his own shoe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember That's I had them and I went to private school and all the white boys was laughing. Those aren't Jordans. I said, no, nah, these pack Ewan's. Yeah. Yeah. And then I see everybody retro on them now. Yeah. yeah. Fab yeah. kind of, I brought them back. Fab brought the uh, Pat Ewan's back. Yeah. But yeah. So nobody, so nobody had a pair of shoes? Yeah. Which yeah, were the, the further Reeboks the pump, yeah, the pumps. The kamikaze. No, that's the Sean Kemp's kamikaze. Wait, kamikaze. Yeah. The, the 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 ones the hypnosis. Hypnosis. The hypnosis. That's the Shaq. Those the Shaq. Kamikaze was Sean Kemp. Kamikaze was the Sean Kemp's, but yeah. the first one was the Shaq attacks. The Shaq yeah. attacks was the first one. Diagnosis. we're not doing with yeah. diagnosis, though. Huh? Not a not a not a gnosis was hard. Not a Shaq attacks. Nah, those was I like those better. When he hanging on the rim like this. <laughs> well, that's his look. Chagnosis was the first hold on, one. Hold on. They talking, girl, they talking about Chagnosis with the shit look like like you hypnotizing your sneaker. You didn't like those. Nah, them, those was hard. Those was those was the Shack attacks. Those Chagnosis, man. Shack attacks were the first ones. Right. First ones, those the fire ones. Yeah, with the was... tongue that kind of like the Jordan sixes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just a simple Reebok sign on the side, and it got like a certain gum sole, a certain certain. It's just fire. Yeah, yeah, not a fire. And then the Kamikazes was. That's the Sean Kemp's. Yeah, yeah, Sean Kemp's, and then you know the Shaq Gnosis. I'm gonna tell you two Reebok sneakers that was dope. The Nick Van Exels. Mm. Remember, had the splash on the back. I don't remember those. Talking about yeah. And then the Frank Thomases. Oh yeah, that's baseball. Yeah, I remember Frank Thomas. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah, cross yeah, trainers. yeah, 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 yeah. They were Reebok Frank Thomas cross trainers. Yeah, I do remember those. Yeah, those was though. Damn, I forgot about those. But then you so then the black tops is Reeboks too, right? Yeah. Yeah, damn, y'all bringing me back. I remember <laughs> I had some black tops too. Damn. All right, so real quick, let's 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 put, let's put this to bed, right? So we talk about uh we talk about Jordans, we talk about Air Force Ones. G units? No, never. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Look, Air Force Ones, yeah, they, they outsold Sean Carter's though. Yo, chill, 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 bro. They did. I like the commercial that 50 and J did for the S dot Carters and the G unit shoes. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, yeah, that was hard. Not for both of them, but just the commercial. <laughs> And, and remember the S. Dot Carter commercial when Jamal Crawford was in it? Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Word. But I was going to say no mids. No mid Air Force One with the strap. That's nasty. You shouldn't have those on your feet. And you can't do the mid Jordan once. That's like, you can't do it. 
high top, low top, or nothing? What do you say? I'm gonna tell you what I think was 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 low key dope. The the low top mid or low top or mid Jordan Elevens. Derek Anderson warm. The low top and Mike, and Mike Bibby warm. I had them as my shit. I got them right there. Two thousand one. Not it was around that time, and and I sat down with Derek Anderson. It, it went it went viral when I asked him about making the Jordan um, low top shoe. Like, how did he convince Mike? To let him do it. Yeah. Yep. That was the snake skin yeah, one. 11, the 11 yeah. retro. Yep. Yeah, let me hear that. Let me hear that. Derry Anderson was like, he went in Mike's office and was like, yo, y'all really need to make the leather low top. He was like, really? You think? He was like, yeah. So he said he shaved it down. I was like, did Mike give you credit for that? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> he, but he gave Mike the idea. He and, and Nike ran with it. It was it was Derrick Anderson's Mike. idea. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. So look, we we didn't talk a lot of basketball. We mixed a little culture in it, but um, of course, a lot of, a lot on this podcast in particular, we always talk music, right? So sure. we definitely want to know, you know, who who you listening to? What's in your Serato, as they like to say? You know, what I'm saying who who might be some of some, top five. Some of, hold on, hold on. Uh, you can answer that too. But um, some of your favorites now, and then some of your favorites all time. Who 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 scoop listen to right now? Right now, who you listening to? What what's moving you right now? Um, on the plane in the office while I'm working, Jay all day. Um, if not Jay, uh, I'm listening to any variation of uh, stuff I came up on. So Cam, Jim, DMX, Jadakiss. Jadakiss is my second favorite rapper. Jay is my first. Good shit. Good shit. Um, how you feel about Esco? Nas? Yeah. Nas is dope. I don't have a problem. I don't. I don't. I don't hate. Nas, cause I like Jay. I, I like I like them both. Um, I like beatbox. I was with I was um I was at a conference in Vegas last week and I uh, was on stage while uh, Dougie Fresh was performing and uh, I like beatboxing. So you know to this day I like that. I like um I like listening to to uh, Big Pun. Big Pun is up there as far as my favorite lyricist. Um, I, I like I like Rick Ross today. I like Rick Ross when he first came out. I like his progression. Um, for the ladies, you know, I, I I like the new from I like Beyonce. I like the Church Girl song, and I like the other one, the the the, the um don't don't kill my soul, whatever that song is. That, <laughs> it gives me it gives me an eighties feel. Um, I like um, I listen to gospel music. I grew up in the church, so for me, like any variation of Fred Hammond, any variation of Daryl Coley, every variation of Hezekiah Walker, Love Fellowship, Crusade Choir, Kirk Franklin, BB and CC Winans, Mary Mary. Um, you, you know, hip hop is, 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 my, is my thing, but you try to, you know, balance it out. Even classical music. I played, sure. I played in the classical orchestra when I was a kid. So like- Dope. What I instrument? I played the saxophone. Dope, dope. So Mozart. Um, you know, and Beethoven, um, all that stuff. So, you know, I, I like I like all types of stuff. It's funny. Oh. We have the uh, conversation. Everybody wanted to play the drums. <laughs> then you went to the sax. <laughs> but somehow, most people ended up with a clarinet. I would go. wanted to play the drums. You know what I'm saying? If you couldn't get the drums, you wanted a sax. Couldn't get that neither. 
He ended up with clarinet. <laughs> hey, you ever been to the recorders they gave everybody in school? Yeah. Yeah. Get on my mother's nerves. Like, Brandon, shut nah, up. Nah, you, you, forgot, you, forgot you forgot the flute. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, nobody played the flute. Nah, dog. Nah, but they, gave, they gave you the flute. No yeah, way. I don't Pause. know who, I don't know who <laughs> out with the recorders or what, what senator or president was lining their people pockets with recorders. But everybody got a recorder. <laughs> everybody would be sitting with the notes up in the crib. <laughs> like, if you don't put that shit down. <laughs> but I'm mad you said everybody played with the flute. He going to say pause. <laughs> Yo, the flute was a giveaway. <laughs> Yo. And you, and you got the leather case. Nobody it won it. If if you ain't Pete, the homies, the, the, he he, you know what I'm saying? He he gonna give you the one liners. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> we here. <laughs> Word. <laughs> um, but um, all right. So real quick before we get out of here, I do want to ask. Um, you know, not to all the way serious us out, but wait, 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 wait. Before you get to that, real quick, Kyrie going to the Lakers, or that's uh, that ship sailed. Um, from my conversations. It, they're saying it's more of a Lakers uh, wish than it is a Kai desire. Um, and that, you know, Kai would like to finish what he started in Brooklyn. Okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I got, I got one more. I got one question, right? You watch versus, right? Yeah. Um, who you put against um, Buster? <sighs> who would I put against Buster? Nobody. They ain't no, everybody ain't put against him. He don't want to do it. You <laughs> see that Rock the Bell sample he gave out, though? That Rock the Bell sample was kind of crazy. Outside Ooh. of Missy, nobody. So I'll tell you this. Um, I know that everybody wants to see Jay and Nas. I don't want to see that. I want to see Jay and Buster. That's going to be super Ooh. nasty. Yeah, that's what I said. Ooh. That's Oh, run that back. You said who? All those that want to see Jay and Nas say 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 Jay is not available or Nas is not available. I think Buster could go to toe to toe with both, but specifically, I would like to see Jay and Nas. You want to see that? I don't want to. Yeah. See, I think whole, nah, I would like Jay, to see Jay and Jay Nas, and but if not Jay and Nas, I'd like to see Jay and Buster or Nas and Buster. I think whole. I don't think Nas. I'm sorry to cut you, but I don't think Nas and Buster is a good matchup though. I don't think they, I don't, Even I don't. The stage I'll, presence, I think they clean Nas' stage presence. If Nas could mail it in where he don't got to stand there across from them, then I think Nas could do it. But, but stage presence. But here's what you're discounting. What's to kill him. What you, well, yes, that I agree with that. But when we talk about Nas' stage presence, his, his vibe is different, right? So like if he come out on his, on his orchestra in the back at Radio City with the suit on or with the strings playing New York State of Mind, like that's a vibe. And and he we already know what he do as an MC. So that's a vibe. So the whole presentation, that's you know, that that all counts. I don't think I don't I still don't think that matches Buster's energy. He's one of the greatest it, it, performers. It doesn't, ever. but I'm gonna tell you something else. Fat Joe didn't match Ja Rule's energy. And, and, and ja, people forget Ja Rule had a catalog. People yeah. always discount Ja because of 50 and Irv Gotti is making 50 look smarter every day, by the way. Uh, but I, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like Ja Rule's catalog could go to to bust catalog too. Bust and spliff hands down clean anybody up. I put my money on bump and spliff. 
stage presence, it, it, it's going to be a long day for anybody going against Bob. Yeah. It's going to be a long day for, and he got, his catalog is crazy too long with that. His catalog by himself. He got songs with Janet Jackson. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. But I, I, I think I think Snoop should have went against Buster though. I don't think Snoop should have went against went against him. Buster cleans him. Okay, so God rest the dead. If DMX is DMX and Buster, DMX and Buster, DMX versus Jay Z. Slow down, slow down, slow down. I say DMX Buster because we're talking about best performers, right? DMX in his prime. We know in his later years, he didn't have the wind and all of those different types of things, right? But him at his prime, at his peak, and Buster, even now, whether he's at his peak or even now, I think Buster and DMX, that would have been the show because everybody always says those are the two people in the industry you don't ever want to follow. LL, man. Buster and LL. Fuck okay. it. And we forget about LL, too. LL. Yeah. I, I, would I think Buster and LL. LL. Yep. That's the only way. Well, because they can all go back to he got leaders of the new school and he got all of his shit from the 80s. So, you know. I'm gonna tell you something. I would like to see Jay and LL Kuja. I saw yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that one. Too. I would also like to see Drake and LL Cool J. Definitely don't want to see that one. Nah. <laughs> nah, yeah. Hey, I, you know what the lady is gonna Reece, be out Reece. there? No, oh yeah, I definitely go. I'm trying to get a ticket. <laughs> you got hits for the ladies, you got hits for the dudes, you got hits for the college kids, you got hits for white people, you got hits. I mean, you got on both sides. Oh no, nah, that's pandemonium. I just don't know. Listen, yeah. Meek and Drake was nothing more than rock the rock the bells, and when when old boy was going against what's the name, people thought LL was short, but they thought he was soft. You talking about LL and cannabis? Yeah. Or oh, LL and Kumo D. Cannabis. All right. More cannabis than Kumo D. All right. Yeah. Yo, reasonable devil or hell is hot? Reasonable devil. Or hell is hot. I put I put is dog and hell is hot as the best rap album ever because oh, of. Because of the time period it came out in, where there was nothing like yeah. that, and it brought the a new energy. It, that energy, I killed hella batteries. That on. that that in the Panasonic, that album in the Panasonic, yeah. was, it, it ran. It, I killed. It ran all. your Panasonic down for sure. Because it, right now we needed DMX right now. Like Griselda is trying to be that energy, but DMX came by itself. No hype, man. No, just great energy, great lyrics, gritty. Like, think about what was out at that time. You're talking about 98, where everybody was jiggy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the Griselda's not problem, but the kind of hurdle they're in now, whether it's they're just gung-ho on what they want to do or whether they got the cognitive conscious to do it, is that... They don't got radio DM records. Yeah, DMX still gave you, um, you know... He did. Crossover over record. And no, it was still fire. And it was no, still him. They just played. They played crossover. He didn't. If you go to Dog and Hell's Side, there's no crossover records. Not on that, on that album, but if not you, the it, next one. Yeah, but if you wasn't on the next one either. The next one was Flesh of My Flesh. You got doing radio records. Huh? Yo, Flesh of My Flesh is crazy. 
That ain't the one with um. The um, one with party up is what? Yeah, the dog. That's, or... like, that's like the fourth one. He he gave you that. That's what when he games is being played. What is how it was going down? What what album was that? That's it's, flesh of my flesh. That's not that's a radio crazy. record. I'm politicking, right, kicking, wondering if I'm a creeper. So Flesh of My Flesh has my niggas on it. It has We Don't Give a Fuck. My niggas was straight. Uh, Sipping. That's Flesh of My Flesh. Yeah, Slipping. And uh, Slipping, No Love For Me. But none of them is radio records. Nah, no, no Love For Me is a radio yeah, No Love For Me is a radio record. Slipping and, and what you nah, they, they wasn't one. playing that. That was K Slay. You know what the cast got love <laughs> for me? Oh, I, At a radio record, dog. Ain't nobody gonna bust slugs for me, but my dogs are gonna be. But they singing about ops right now. You trying to really bring lyrics into it? They singing about the ops right now. <laughs> but you about to spin singing about 98. We talking about but they got a bed. We talking about 98. That came out in 98. Right, the games is being played, how it was going down. It's all that's on. Little Hillback took me deeper, deeper. Yeah, that's radio. What you Ain't no way it's on there, too. Yeah. Ain't no way. Yeah, yeah. Rico music. Word. Nah, I mean, the music, the music is fire. Um, you 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 definitely um you get the you get the life as I see it stamp of approval. You definitely uh you tapped into what you what you need to be tapped into for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, gotta be relatable to the players you're covering. <laughs> real, real quick, top five NBA players of all time. Who you got? There you go. Um, so my list is kind of like guys that I enjoyed watching and guys that I had a relationship and guys I, I feel like my game is like. So um Michael, of course, I didn't play nothing like him. <laughs> but um, so I like I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you Michael he's I'm gonna give you my other four so number two Antoine Walker um, number three God rest the dead Anthony Mason uh, I miss that oh, guy you like them brawlers yeah <laughs> um, four LeBron. Um, Five, Shaq. Okay, um, undisputed. Yeah, and I think for for Shaq is so much more than just basketball. Um, it's relatability, um, marketability, marketability, and and I'll be honest, like when COVID, when we were all in the house, uh, and and. Things were shutting down March of 2020. Um, I told you I was at the I was at All Star Weekend in Chicago, and the summer before I spent some time in LA and got cool with Shaq, exchanged numbers, and he changed his number. Rico so I saw music, him again music, in the back during, um, like in the green room with Charles Kenny. Shaq was back there, all the people. And I said, "Yo." You changed your number? He said, yeah, I had to change it because cause, cause one of my hoes said, I, said, said she was pregnant. He was joking. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and he put his number on my phone, his new number. So 
this was like a month later. This was like after, you know, we all was shut down. And I picked up the phone. I called Shaq and I said, yo, I need you on my podcast. Oh, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. So we recorded it. And that interview, like, like was just so informative, like how he thinks, how he moves, like it, it was an all encompassing. I've had his mother on the podcast. Shaq and I met in 2014 and um, at, at All-Star Weekend. And at the time I was at the Source Magazine and I had to crowdfund to go to All-Star Weekend because I was at the Source and they wouldn't pay for me to go. And when I went out there, Shaq's mom and Shaq were just so nice to me. Uh, she invited me to events and you know, over the years, like I would just see Shaq at various functions and we just always, it was always love, it was always cool. So for me, it, it was so much more, you know, Shaq and Michael, my two favorite players, like watching in the 90s. I remember when Michael retired, I told my mom, I don't like the Bulls no more. I like the Orlando Magic. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then when Mike came back, I like the Bulls again. But like, it, it just, it, for me, like, he's one of those guys that's just, just always been accessible to me to this day. Um, and, and just, you know, a wealth of knowledge. Kenny Smith too. Kenny Smith is definitely someone that, um, you know, going back to my family's roots and in, 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 in grassroots basketball has always been kind to me, accessible to me, um, and, and just a wealth of, of knowledge. So I was glad to see him get his just due um, in, the, in the Point Gods movie as well. Like, I've watched that movie literally about three times. Yeah, fire. I just watched it again. got to catch it. I might watch that tonight. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, we were talking about it on our last pod. Uh, Woozy was telling us about it. I haven't seen it yet, but I definitely need to catch that for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's just other guys that have just been accessible and cool, like 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 Stephon Marbury. Um, I'm glad to see him get his just due these days. Mm -hmm. um, Jamal Crawford, um, I think the world of. Um, so I know you told me to give you five, but there's so many more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that I just, I, I legitimately just respect Kyrie Irving, um, Rod Strickland. Um, you know, just it's it just just guys that I, I I like for various reasons, guys I built relationships with, and guys whose game I like. I, I really feel like Magic Johnson was the original. Um, and and if there if there would be no Ben Simmons, LeBron James, or Lamar Odom if there was no Magic Johnson. Where I just like watching his game. Where Allen Iverson, I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. you know that it's it's an unfair question every time. It's almost like a trick question because it's like. How do you narrow it down to five? It gotta be, you gotta, they gotta open that up to like 10, at least. Like, you know what I'm saying? And even 10 is hard. I probably gave you 10. Yeah. I probably gave you 10, but but I but 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 whenever I'm in it, I have interviews or I'm having conversation, I, I always, I always, always, always uh try to 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 pay homage and respect guys like Anthony Mason uh and 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 Antoine Walker. Uh, because I feel like, and even Tim Thomas, because they paved the way for today's athlete Ooh, that was so versatile. Even five, yeah, Shouts to Tim Thomas from the town. Um, work, work. So look, we about to get out of here, but I do want to just mention this. I know we're not gonna go crazy on this because it's at, it's the end of the interview, but a uh, real quick, just kind of a rapid fire. Do you think um, that we get Brittany Griner? back back home soon or do you think that's going to play out have it's going to play out is it over our head or you think you know election cycle whoever's running is going to bring her home for the black vote it's it's two things i am not one um a weatherman <laughs> and two a politician um but i think that this thing 
with Brittany Griner is bigger than what we see. And I've been advised by my publicist to simply say, I hope that she comes home. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I, I think that this is what I will say. I do think that people need to do a lot more research before they go to other countries. Um, but I'll add this. Um, I think what needs to be addressed and looked at is why WNBA players have to play basketball in other countries in the off season, in their off season. Um, and there have been many times that Brittany Griner has gone back and forth from the States to, to, to other places. Why now? Those are the questions that I have just as in, you know, the optics of it. So it's a lot of the questions I ask, but I, I again, I will reiterate, I, I hope that there is a safe returning of her going home, but again, do your research. Yeah. Uh, well said, and and I know I said that was the last question, but you said something that kind of piggybacked off of what we spoke about on one of our most recent podcasts, which was the fact that so many WNBA athletes do play overseas. Now, you say have to, right? We brought up the point, well, do they have to? And hear me out. Obviously, the pay gap is not even close. It's damn near, it is disrespectful in comparison to, right? what what the men uh make versus what the women make but we understand their reasons for that the sport isn't as big it's not as much money pumped into it so on and so forth now we looked up what the minimum salary is in the WNBA and in comparison to your average family or household it's plenty of money right now again the field is the field the market is the market so you do have to consider those things but on the topic of those WNBA players having to go play overseas, do you think it's because they want to uh, amount some of the type of money that a lot of these NBA guys get and therefore want to live a certain lifestyle? Um, or do you think it's because they literally can't sustain themselves with the salary they're paid by the WNBA? I think it's a case by case basis. Um, and that's without knowing all of the uh, logistics of what people are making. Um, I think that earning an honest wage, if you're not getting paid during the off season, what do you, like some people might say, I wouldn't say this, well, get a job being a teacher. Well, if your MBA counterparts aren't doing that, why should they? Um, I, I don't know that, I know that there are some WNBA players who do not work jobs in the off season, the higher tier players, like the, like the Candace Parkers. I, I'll, I'll tell you that I spent one season um, and I didn't make mention of this guy and I, and I need to, another guy that's been accessible, Isaiah Thomas, uh, NBA hall of famer, um, has always made himself available to me, accessible and a wealth of knowledge. But I remember when Isaiah was in a front office position with the New York Liberty, I was, I spent a lot of time with the Liberty. This was back when, so when Cash was towards the end of her career, Teresa Weatherspoon was an assistant coach. And you had some other guys, other ladies that were on that team. And I, I remember talking to certain women on that team and they would talk about how um, they would be roommates. Like it would be like three or four people in a, in a house in the summertime to save money. Mm. And I'm sure Candace Parker, who you know would be the top tier player, so to speak, the LeBron, so to speak, 
is not rooming with other people. She also has a sneaker deal. She also has other things. Um, I know she's not rooming. And, you know, I know that they did it to save money. Um, I know that there are certain NBA players when they first get into their league, they have into the league, they, they have an OG. This is in the 90s more so. Like I remember Al Harrington stayed, lived with, I think, Antonio, Dale Davis or Antonio Davis, one of the Davises when he first got into the league. Um, it wasn't because of money. It was more just because of OG, young G relationship. Um, in answer to your question, I don't know what people's overhead is. So that's why I don't think it's, it, there's a blanket, one way to answer that question. Um, but I, I do think that it gets dicey when you start bringing up the disparity between WNBA players and NBA players. And then people's argument is, well, it doesn't do the same numbers on television. Well, I know in the bubble and I know the last couple of years, they've broken a lot of records as far as, far as viewership. Um, and so I, I think that as the WNBA has become to get more popular in these days, as opposed to maybe the 90s when it first started, I think it's made strides. But I still think it has a very long way to go. Um, and I just don't think a lot of people respect women's basketball, unfortunately, the way that they do men's basketball. Work. Work. Well, um, I'm going to leave it there. Um, you know, you said... Your mom named you Brandon, so I'm going to first refer to you as Brandon, of course, affectionately known to many in the, the media space and worldwide as Scoop B. Um, it was certainly a pleasure having you on. I want to you know, say thank you again for you know, just giving us some time, taking the time out. Uh, much, much love and much respect thank to you. you. Um, you know, we'll definitely be, be watching um, and, you know, you know, cheering from from afar and in support of you, and uh, you know, best of luck moving forward, man. It's 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 a pleasure to to speak with you, to talk with you, to kind of understand a little bit of your story, and just to respect the craft of journalism um, from an insider like yourself. So, thank you again, and uh, it's a, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for the opportunity to be myself, and I, and I wish y'all nothing but the success in what you're doing and. Keep going, keep growing, and keep having fun. The minute you stop having fun, it can make things interesting. So have fun. Yes, sir. Yes, I know sir. that doc coming. You got a doc on your hands. You hear me? Where say what? You got a doc on your hands. What you yeah, talking? You got a wealth. It's you got a wealth. You got. Yeah, you got a you got a wealth of knowledge. Oh. yeah, you got a wealth of knowledge and and a lot of experiences. It's Absolutely, coming. it's coming. You said Dizzy Gillespie was playing. What you said? We ain't even talking about basketball. No, you just went straight to Dizzy. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. So we're gonna speak that into existence. Oh, it's it's coming. I you, you said it, not uh, me, but it's coming. Yeah, that's the no. they're gonna, they, they gonna, somebody gonna call you. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I don't know how they would. Yes, sir. Yeah, word. Yes, sir. Well, on that note, um, as always, we want to make sure that everybody out there is telling a friend to tell a friend. And until next time, anything, Rico.
Musico 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 Musico.